There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, one of those things happened to me yesterday that always restores my faith in humanity. No, really. Sometimes you need more than just uh, an experience or an encounter that's designed and planned. Then you need some sort of like, just uh, just happened. I went to Club 47 last night. Matt Gates was the speaker. And you guys know, and Matt knows, that I have this, you know, weird relationship um, with certain politicians. He would definitely fall into that category. There are sometimes I just want to... You know, just give them like a, what did your parents box your ears? You know, sometimes I want to do that with Matt. And then there are times when I want to give him a standing ovation. Last night was a little bit of both. You know, there are times when he's right on the money and then there are times when he's over the top. But hmm, who does that remind me of? Oh yeah, me. But uh, it was was a, a very interesting evening. And he made it even more interesting because he has a tremendous sense of humor. But I have to start by saying we always dismiss people that are really good looking. I, I even heard, read this in a novel recently about how it's actually like a, a cross if you're beautiful sometimes because people just don't take you that seriously. And Matt Gates has this very pretty, beautiful wife. And I just think of her as being his wife. I've seen her a few times. Her name's Ginger. Uh, I got stuck waiting for a car at a valet parking thing at Mar-a-Lago about a year ago um, with her and Matt. And so I got into a a pretty um, longer than I would have liked conversation with her because I didn't know her. And I was impressed at the time. She was very reserved, uh, not what you expect when you know know what Matt's like. but boy, can this woman sing. She sang the national anthem last night, and it was beautiful. Uh, it was literally gave me the chills. And I have to remember that just because you look like Barbie doesn't mean you're a doll. You know, you, you could be like some kind of brilliant or talented person, and people don't even expect it when it happens. I was like mad at myself for being so surprised, but she could really sing. And it was an excellent evening. I enjoyed myself tremendously. I didn't get to speak to any of my friends. What ends up happening is I I just can't. Uh, they always position me, you know, in the front on the front row with a clear exit strategy because I don't need to stay afterwards and and I'm not glad handing. I don't need pe- pictures with the guys and gals. I was sitting next to Monica Crowley and her. Um, I don't know what you call Bill, her significant other, but they've been together so long. He's her husband in my eyes. But I was sitting with them. Kevin and Sam Sorbo were all there. 
and 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 you know and and CL Bryan was sitting next to my husband so the two of them were pastoring and yucking it up and uh, there was a, a a woman Raven Harrison uh, I'd never met her before I really didn't know much about her I, I I knew that she was a conservative kind of commentator I've seen her on a, I don't even know where I've seen her but she looked familiar and then she introduced herself to me and um and I did a little background checking on her this morning. She's really uh, quite smart and quite talented, and I'll probably get her on my show one of these days. Uh, but it was a, an interesting, you know, g group that I was seated with. It's not always. Sometimes it's like the boring people, but this was very not boring. But all my friends are like two rows back and two rows to the left and over there on the right, and I just can't get over to them. So I apologize. And I mean friends. Like I didn't even realize my friend Joe and Diane were there. I should have realized it when I got a shout out from Larry Snowden and all of a sudden there was all this hooting and hollering like I was some kind of uh, celebrity like Monica Crowley. I mean, they were hooting and howling for her and Sorbos and everything else, but I got a lot of hoots last night. So that's when I realized that uh, Joe and Diane and their crowd was there. Not only them, but... Um, you know, Debbie and Daniel, my good friends who, I mean, we just can't seem to get it together to have a conversation, but we're in the same place at the same time. Anyway, it was a, it was one of those evenings that I needed. I was just um, not feeling right. It was a, a tough afternoon after my show. When I got off the air, I read something from Alex Berenson that really just upset me terribly. And it was actually in response to either a comment I had made on his newsletter on Substack or maybe an email I had sent him. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I had told him to to read a book and he read it, you know, and, and this was a whole column in which he reflected exactly how I'm starting to feel. Like I actually believe, and, and you know, if you're one of these people who's going to immediately declare that I'm some kind of conspir conspiracy theorist, I don't really care because that's what they said about Noah until it rained. And I am convinced that the open border and this whole California sober nonsense that's going on in the recovery community where they're telling people, hey, you can smoke pot, you know, and, and recreational use of marijuana everywhere. California is ridiculous at this point. You know, New York, these places, not this is not good. And I'm convinced that this is deliberate, that coupled with an open border, they're killing off. Like some of the brightest people probably on earth. Because if you remember back in the 70s, and I certainly remember it when the missing parts of my brain aren't required for remembering, we thought it was all cool, you know, everybody was uh, smoking weed and everybody was having love and free love and all that, you know, carrying around the daisies and burning your bras and all this garbage. And it really, it really damaged a lot of people. A lot of people never lived up to their potential. A lot of people never lived. How about that? People died. And it's happening like 10 times worse right now. I don't know what the formula for fentanyl is. I don't want to know. But I can tell you this. People are dropping like flies 
all over the world, but in America in particular. And before they die, they go through a lot of pain. This is not a, a drug that we know enough about. And yet it is all over the streets. I don't care where you live. It could be in some rural city in Kansas or rural country town in Kansas. So you can be in New York or San Francisco and it's just killing, killing people. And, you know, we're worried about is, uh, you know, as a basketball player taking some performance enhancing drugs. What about the drugs that are being literally overwhelming an entire generation or two of Americans? It's frightening. It really is. So I was in like that kind of mood when I went up to West Palm last night when Billy and I went up. But I got to tell you, I felt refreshed afterwards and I haven't felt that way in a long time. And, you know, I've seen Donald Trump speak and hasn't left me feeling as refreshed as I did last night. And it really wasn't uh, the particular, it wasn't that it was Matt Gates. It was that there was a mood and a sense and a, a humor that everybody was sharing and kind of a confidence because, you know, today's the primary and most of us are rather convinced that uh, regardless of how many Democrats vote in this primary, in the Republican primary or independents or whatever, that uh, Donald Trump's going to win it and Donald Trump's going to get the nomination. And Donald Trump is uh, going to win the election. That's, you know, that's my claim. I'm not staking any money on it because we're not allowed to gamble but I guess I'm staking my reputation on it. And that's okay, because if if that doesn't happen, I wouldn't want to do this anymore. I, I just, I, I cannot sit around and discuss the end of America. It's just not, not my plans for the last healthy years of my life. So, you know, uh, maybe it's it's more than just wishful thinking. It is a necessary belief system for me right now. But I, I can't even tell you, when you look at what's happening in the newspaper industry, like all these newspapers that were bought up by these millionaires like Bezos and all the rest of it, they're crumbling. They're in absolute chaos. They're laying off anything that even remotely resembles a journalist. This is pretty, pretty scary because you know what they're being replaced with? What brilliant pundits and columnists are being replaced with? AI versions of Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton. I'm not kidding you. They're now delivering lectures, holograms of Einstein and Newton. And how is that good for us? I, I just, I'm really, uh, I was in one of those moods. It was, I was kind of delivered from it last night. And then I kind of got back into it today because I'm looking at, I'm looking at what's happening at our border. I'm looking at Amy Coney Barrett saying that, uh, you know, that, that, that the federal government can stop Texas from protecting its citizens. Now, I have a new idea. It's not my idea, actually. It was in The Spectator, I believe. And it was, uh, I think, that what Governor Abbott needs to do is actually send these incredibly wonderful migrants as they are described by all these sanctuary cities and states until they actually arrive on their doorstep, send them all to Washington, D.C. That's all. 
they're the ones responsible for this. States shouldn't have to pick up the tab on all this because this massive illegal immigration crisis is really, uh, people are frustrated and have had enough. Democrats love to talk about privilege and, and uh, redistribution of wealth. And, and then the, the first thing they say when you bus some of these underprivileged migrants into their towns, into their states, is, oh my gosh, how dare you? That's not fair. Right, Texas should take the whole burden. Arizona should suffer. New Mexico, Southern California. Come on, anybody doesn't understand and this is actually what they've been calling for. Redistribute wealth. And let's start with uh, Washington, D.C. Because, you know, what masquerades as a Democrat party or as American liberalism these days is nothing but a bunch of pathetic globalists, internationalists, as uh, Nikki Haley likes to call herself, who really, you know, they don't live like they want you and me to live. They don't have to struggle the way you and I struggle. They like cheap labor. And they don't care what the schools, public schools look like because they can send their kids to private schools. And they just make me sick. So, so much for reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Now it's uh, diversity and all this nonsense. Weird sex education curriculum, socialism. It's all nonsense. And that's what they're teaching instead of reading and writing and mathematics, which might actually come in useful if there is a future for America. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850WFTL app. It is a very handy tool, and you can participate in all of our contests, get four packs, you know, tickets to go to Garlic Fest, to go to Artie Gras. We got a lot of good prizes, but if you don't have the app, you're not, you know, participating. Although there is one other way. Go visit our website, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So there really is just a lot. And I guess if there weren't a lot going on, my job wouldn't be as interesting or even as engaging as it is for somebody to keep doing it year after year. I was laughing last night when I was, uh, I got a shout out from Larry Snowden, who is the, uh, he and his wife, Sue, organized this Club 47. And uh, he and I go way back. And he he gave me a shout out and he said, you know, she's been on the air down here more than 20 years. And I'm thinking, how about like more than 33 years? Wow. That's mind boggling, even to me. And it's not like, I'm not patting myself on the back, but what I am saying is there is obviously a hunger and a need for interesting commentary about politics. People want to hear it, and people don't necessarily want to get their news anymore from these outlets that they're just 
what are they all about? I don't know. Half of the stuff that I see that is masquerading as news programming is like this lifestyle stuff. If I want to watch, you know, uh, Ellen DeGeneres or Drew Barrymore or whoever, you know, in the old days, Oprah Winfrey, that's one kind of show. To me, that's more like a variety show. It's like the old Ed Sullivan show. It's not a news show, per se. You know, the harpies on The View, it's insulting to think that anybody gets their news from them. It's not even opinion. It's just tragic is what it is. But it just seems to me that there is a need for what I do. I think last night it was described by Matt Gates as so somebody in the audience, they had a Q&A, and somebody in the audience said, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, the media is against Trump, and the, everything that we get is so biased. And he said, there's a lot of alternatives out there. And then he started listing, you know, uh, War Room, Steve Bannon, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, yeah, how about talk radio? How about for the last 35 years, thank you to Rush Limbaugh, blessed memory, Talk radio has been a place where people could go and get news. And yes, it's got a particular bias, but nobody's pretending it doesn't. What I can't stand about like cable news on television is that all that fair and balanced stuff, stick it in your ear. We know, I think last night was it, I'm looking at an outtake on the internet this morning. Apparently, Sean Hannity went off on uh, the the morning guy, um, the one with the great son, uh, Steve Ducey, right? And said, wow, you're, you're so far to the left because Ducey doesn't like Trump. Okay, you know, I don't care whether he likes Trump or not. I don't take what he says or what Brian Kilmeade says or what Sean Hannity says and think I'm getting some sort of clear, uh, open-minded, perspective on the news. No, I, I'm actually hearing someone who has a bias and generally doesn't make any, doesn't try to hide it, okay? There's no reason to pretend you're other than you are. Now there was, you know, 35 years ago, it was very unpopular to let your political opinion, if it happened to be conservative, show through. No, 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 no. You could be a liberal. You weren't supposed to talk about it, but being a liberal was not just accepted, it was you were in. You were in with the in crowd. But I, I look at these morning shows and I'm thinking like, really, Sean, did you think that any of us is sitting around going like, well, I better change my mind about Donald Trump because Steve Ducey's not with him. Really? Or, oh, I, I'll have to reconsider that argument because I heard that Joy Reid said, oh, come on. Give us a little more credit. I give you a lot more credit than that. But you've always had talk radio. And if you know how to listen to talk radio, if you're a, a smart consumer of talk radio, you know there's also different types. There's, there are those who are very traditional and very conservative. There are those that have a religious fervor that shines through and they don't hide it. I think there's room for everybody. But when it comes to politics, I've always said this when people ask me, how come there aren't more you know, successful liberal talk shows? Because 
Liberals are always sad and angry and stomping their feet, and nobody wants to listen to that. I may be sad and I may be angry, but I try to be humorous. I try to be real. I try to give you something you can relate to. And basically, I'm not sad, concerned. Let's put it that way. I'm concerned about drug X, which is what Alex Berenson was talking about. And, uh, and we have no idea how they are literally making us take drugs that they don't know what the effects are going to be long-term. They don't even know what the effects are going to be short-term. When I think of the mRNA nonsense that went on and all of the uh, fear-mongering that went on, man, you think the climate change people are crazy? Think back to how we were literally treated when it came to, you must be vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you hate old people. You're trying to kill your grandmother. Never did I think that I was going to have that experience in the United States of America, but that's what happened. And it's not just mRNA vaccines. It's all of these recreational use drugs. You know, marijuana is not the same as it was in 1965 when many of us, uh, you know, did inhale, right? It was kind of a mild... Uh, I don't even remember being that fond of it personally because it always made me want to eat. And, you know, I mean, and that my age group at that time was like, no, no, I can't have another Twinkie. I might not be able to wear my braless uh, halter top to Woodstock. I don't know, you know, the crazy, crazy thinking that was going on. But that's that's not what's happening now. What's happening now is really kind of scary beyond any it's really very science fictiony and that's why you got to pay attention if you're not a subscriber to the un, uh, the uh, truth the uh, Alex Berenson substack you should be I mean there's some that you should just read they don't have to even produce a lot of content but the content they produce is very interesting and being ignored by the rest of the media you know why why wouldn't they be talking morning, noon, and night on every news station about the crisis at the border and the fentanyl crisis in America? I would say that's really, if not the biggest news story, it's one of them. And yet, very inconvenient, that story, for the press. Much more interesting to talk about is Nikki Haley being of Indian ancestry going to stand in the way of her becoming a female president? You know, we're much more comfortable talking about diversity than we are talking about them trying to kill us off. And they like to keep it that way. I saw a great piece by Dove Fisher. I love his writing. And he wrote a piece about how America is better off now that Ron DeSantis will govern Florida for two more years. And then he said, his day will come in 2032. That's pushing it way out. I don't think that um, uh, Governor DeSantis is going to push it out that far, but he's absolutely right. I'm thrilled that we got our governor back because when he decided to run for the presidency, which I said was a bad move to begin with, he really took his hands off of Florida in a big way. 
And this is not, this is a big state. And this is a state that just turned red. Um, he's a great governor. And maybe he's the best governor in the country today. And maybe he'll be considered one of the greatest governors ever of all time. Because you have to think about this. He was one of these backbench congressmen who barely um, was able to beat that, that, that cokehead, Andrew Gillum. Nobody was particularly impressed by him. But now, uh, now it's different because he did a great job or he's doing a great job. And now we get to see how much greater a job. The same reason I want Donald Trump to be president again is because if he gets to finish some of the things that he started, we'll be a stronger country. And I think if Ron DeSantis gets to finish some of the things he started here in Florida, we'll be a greater state. That's all. He's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> anyway, let me take a break. I got a lot more to talk about. No guests uh, the last two days and maybe for the rest of the week. I just, I don't want to talk to anybody else. I want to just talk to you. This is an intimate conversation between you and me. And even if you don't get to participate, just sit back and enjoy the ride. All right, let me take a break. I'll be right back. Oh boy, my email's blowing up and people are going to the website and saying, eh, you're not alone in thinking some of these thoughts. I know I'm not. I know because I was sitting there among, I don't know, a thousand people last night and many of us are, well, we're, we're educated. We're old enough to know some things. We've had some life experience. And when we just make a casual observation about what we see going on in our neighborhoods, on, uh, you know, on television, or I don't watch a lot of TV, but on the internet, when we see this insanity, this border crisis is going to blow up so badly for the Democrats. And I, you know, I, I don't let that bother me. Somebody had to point out how this is all their fault and how the U.S. Border Patrol made two and a half million migrant encounters in the year 2023. That's face-to-face, -face, a Border Patrol agent and an illegal immigrant. Because I'm not going to call them migrants. They are illegal immigrants. They're actually illegal aliens. Ooh, I said it. There doesn't seem to be any end in sight. We have an administration that seems they have no clue or else they simply don't want to handle this. The border czar, the vice president, is out there campaigning now. And what's her issue? Abortion. Now, mind you, I understand that's a big issue, and the Democrats really think it's a winning issue for them, and I know some Republicans who think that. But that's not what's going to drive people to the polls. I don't think it's going to determine the outcome of the next election. I think high on the list is once again, as it was in 2016, illegal immigration and the border. And we know that the Republican candidate, even were it, well, it's going to be Donald Trump. So we know where his position is, right? But 
the auditors at OpenTheBooks.com, one of my favorite, most useful websites. I love Andrew uh, Androsky. I mean, he does phenomenal public service. I, I donate money to that organization because I think they're amazing. And what, you know, what they found, they were just looking at one federal office to just get an idea of how much spending is going towards accommodating, um, transporting, providing illegal immigrants with all the services that they are providing for them. The Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is a part of HHS, is where a lot of that spending happens. You know, and last night, Matt Gates kept making the point that until we actually have a Congress who's willing to go department by department, line by line in the budget process, we're screwed. Because, you know, this is the, the continuing resolution that we're now under was actually attached to a bill about, I, I forgot what he said, duck hunting? Something ridiculous. And that's how they operate. So we don't know where the money comes from. We don't know who gets the money, how it gets spent. But they published an oversight report at openbooks.com, which showed that unaccompanied children who are encountered by the agency are lost, lost in the system. How is that not profoundly disturbing to you? That means that we have kids who are being trafficked in this country, trafficked for sex, trafficked uh, for labor. It violates child labor laws. And we've had whistleblowers come out and tell how just how bad this is, how large the scale of child trafficking really is. And so now they're looking at this agency and they saw a billion dollar spending spike in the adult refugee programs and they found potential conflicts of interest between agency leadership and the largest grant recipients. In fact, for decades, the director of the agency, Robin Dunn Marcos, was employed in executive positions by two nonprofit organizations that are among the uh, agency's largest grantees. In other words, he gives money to the very agencies that he used to be a paid employee of, high-level management employee. Refugee and entrant assistance totaled a stunning... Now, you need to know this because you cannot argue and make a good point if you don't know the facts. They totaled $20 billion over the last two fiscal years. That's right. Across all programs, the Administration of Children and Families, which is the parent agency, they received almost $3 billion in Afghanistan supplemental appropriation. And then they got additional supplementals uh, just in the last year we're talking about Ukrainian refugees that cost $900 million in 2022 and almost $2 billion in 2023. What do you think the cost is going to be 
in 2024. It's not going to go down. In the latest congressional budget justification, the agency actually suggested that we expand its mandate, make it even bigger, and provide even more services to more applicants. Now, that ain't playing well in Chicago, where African-American, minority communities, Hispanics are pretty sick and tired of seeing schools that have been shut down, closed off. This will be my No Restraint podcast next week, by the way. They have taken community centers and parks and turned them over to the illegal immigrants. What about the people who live in those communities? Those communities are in terrible shape. Crime lack of resources. And now they get grants are going out so that these asylees and these refugees and, you know, the victims of trafficking and, and then you got all the special immigrant visa holders like from uh, Afghanistan and from Cuba and from Haiti and now from Venezuela. Well, guess what? That money should first be spent on Americans who are going through personal crises. But no, 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 no. That's not what's happening. And if you don't think that those minority communities are switching their allegiance from the Democrat Party to anyone but, then you're not as smart as you think you are. And you probably haven't been listening to me long enough. But don't worry. You'll get caught up. You will. Or it'll come smack you right in your face. Emergency housing support. Work authorization applications public benefits applications. They are literally have set up agencies that help illegal immigrants fill out the paperwork. <laughs> they give a medical screening. I have friends who have young adult children who are struggling to provide health insurance for themselves and for even little children and their families. But oh, if, if I just came across the border, border, I'll get a medical screening, no charge get enrolled in school. Somebody will help me fill out my request for welfare and food stamps and everything else. I'll get referred to employment programs. I'll have this whole cultural orientation program. And of course, mental health referrals, you betcha. Legal assistance, you betcha. But your kids, your grandkids, nothing. There's no money left for them. None. Zero. That's ain't right. And it's going to come back to bite them. I just hope it comes back to bite them soon enough. Because otherwise, we'll have lost this country. These are immigrants who came here legally, who are struggling. These are people who came, whose ancestors came in chains, okay? And they can't get help. But somebody crossing the desert two weeks ago We'll have unlimited access to medical insurance and legal services and blah, 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 housing, whatever. You know, clothing. It ain't right. It's just not right. So we'll see. You know, my hope is that it'll manifest itself in this election. Because if it doesn't, I don't know, all bets are off. Anyway, don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson. Tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, and then followed by me at 3 o'clock. But there's still a segment left with me 
this afternoon. So don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. Yeah, you know, we're looking at the way that the news is being covered today. I mean, obviously, it's the New Hampshire primary, and that's going to take up a lot of uh, bandwidth, as they say. And, and it should, especially if it goes the way I hope it does. But with the exception of Dan Crenshaw, the congressman from Texas, I didn't see anything come out of government regarding the two Navy SEALs that were killed in action on January 11th. That was, that was just a couple, you know, week and a half ago, right? You didn't hear a word. We didn't have names, so we didn't announce them on Friday, but we will this Friday. But the story is they were boarding a ship in the Gulf of Aden, and they were killed in action. What was on that ship? Iranian weapons that were going to the Houthis in Yemen. You know, the same Houthis that have been shooting the missiles at U.S. ships and disrupting uh, international trade. So the seas were uh, rolling rough. One seal went into the water during the boarding, fell in, and the second went in to rescue him. And they're, they were both lost. These are very, very, very dangerous operations. That's why there are specific, you know, well, Dan Crenshaw is a former Navy SEAL. We have these special forces that do things that are absolutely mind-boggling and very, very dangerous. So they, he described that he at least put it, the word out there on, on X that you have to hook a ladder to something that's rigid up on the deck of the ship, high up on the deck of the ship, and then you have to climb up from the little craft that you're in. It's a smaller kind of combat craft, right? And you're, they're alongside of one another, and both are moving, and it's all at night. And if the seas are rough, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. So... Everyone has the flotation device with them and they got their water rings, but nobody knows what happened. They don't know if the flotation devices didn't work. They, they kept searching because the water, water is warm there. It's like about 80 degrees. So they kept searching, hoping that they could find these two guys, but they couldn't. And they called the search off yesterday. So w we pray for the families of these heroes they made the ultimate sacrifice. And I don't think Americans anymore understand how dangerous the world is. They don't understand that it's men like that, women like that, who are the only thing that stand between us and horrible, evil. And, and we get to sit back and enjoy barbecues and freedom and, you know, whatever you want to read, whatever you want to watch and, and meanwhile, chaos is going on all around us. And this is what you see over and over again in history. Just because you leave evil alone, don't think it's going away. That's why you need brave men who are willing to, to raise their right hand and take an oath to protect our way of life. Oh, we're at war. We shouldn't be at war. What's this we business? 
the vast majority of Americans have been completely insulated from any of the costs of war. There's a small number of them. This is we. They make the ultimate sacrifice. Their families make an even greater sacrifice than you can even imagine. And that's why, you know, that's why I want America to be great again. I want us to be able to talk about the greatness of these men, these two Navy SEALs, Chris Chambers and Nathan Ingram, killed in action on January 11th. We'll talk about them more on Friday. But, you know, listen, the, the media is going to be more consumed with, uh, oh, whatever nonsense. I, I could just pull up a headline right now, and I assure you what I'll find will be mind-boggling in its inanity. Is it inanity even a word? Anyway. Uh, you know, shock poll, Biden 47, Trump 30. Oh, please. All right, that's it for me today. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, may God bless you and may God bless Israel and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.